Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. John chapter 6, verse 24, 28, and this is a reading of God's Word. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Amen. Let's church, let's bow our heads in prayer before we begin. God, we thank you for gathering all of us in your house. God, we give our ears, give our attention. God, we concede our hearts to you so that you may speak to us, God. The truth of your word, God, we pray that it may sit deeply into our hearts, God. Bearing fruit, God. Seating deeply in our own lives, Lord Father. God, we want to see your work being done. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you're ready to impart to us this afternoon. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And the scenario surrounding our passage today is this. There had been a feeding of the 5,000, a great, great miracle that just took place. You guys know the miracle that Jesus performed with five loaves and two fish? So, amazing thing happened. Large crowds had gathered, but there was no food to eat. Jesus, upon seeing the crowd that had gathered, wanted to feed them. So, he performs a miracle out of just a a boy's lunch. Feeding of the 5,000, counting the women, the elderly, and the young kids. Probably more than 20,000 people. And Jesus feeds all of these people... But at the same time, as people were crowding to Jesus to hear him speak and wanting more face time with him, strangely, he withdraws from the group. In fact, he withdraws from the disciples as well. And the disciples wanted to cross the sea and get to the other side and move on with their ministry agenda. So they were searching for Jesus, but they could not find Jesus. So they gave up searching for him. So they decided to get on the boat, which the only boat that was there. They decided to get on the boat, and they made their way heading into a city called Capernaum. And it was nighttime. And they were riding on this boat about three, four miles in. They realized that there was a heavy storm in the sea. Remember that Jesus was nowhere to be found. So they're the only ones on this boat. And they're getting nervous. Their hearts were filled with trepidation and uh, 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 anxiety. And right at that time, according to the account in the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us that Jesus appears walking on water slowly. I mean, how freaky would that be? And Jesus appears to them, and he calms the sea, and he gets on the boat, and he allows the disciples to cross the sea. And now, destination, arriving safely where? At the city of 
Capernaum. So the next day, obviously, the crowd that had been following the disciples and Jesus, they woke up, they showed up at the same place where they were just fed incredible food, bread and the fish. And they realized that there, there had been, there, there's nobody there. And for sure they know that they saw the disciples leave, but they were curious because at the time of their departure, they did not see Jesus on the boat. So they were kind of puzzled. And right at the time that the fishing boats came in from Tiberias, and many boats came in, so they decided to get on those boats, boats that had just came in, and crossing the sea to reach the city of Capernaum. So finally, when they crossed the sea, they realized that Jesus was indeed on the other side of the sea. So when they found him, they asked a question, Rabbi, when did you get here? Alluding to the fact that Jesus, we just spent yesterday together. You just fed us wonderful, wonderful food. And without telling us where you went, you just disappeared. So they crossed the road. They asked this question, Rabbi, when did you get here? Upon hearing the question in Jesus' true fashion in responding to the people, he abruptly changes the topic of discussion. Instead of answering their question of how he crossed the sea or how he came there, Jesus blamed their asking, and he goes after more of the pressing matter at that scene. And he asks, Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him the Father God has set His seal. Jesus turns to them, Don't ask me how I got here. I know the only reason why you came here because you just experienced me feeding to you supernaturally. You came here because you were happy that I filled your empty stomachs. You're here because of the miracle that I performed, that I met your need at that time, which was hungry stomach. And he started saying, but, but, but now, that's not the issue at hand. I want you to understand that there's something bigger that is at issue here. And stop wasting your energy striving for the perishable food. And here, he turns the attention and the focus of the crowd from the things of temporal and onto the things of eternal. He shifts the focus from the crowd and saying, stop looking in the things of the earthly here. Now look beyond the earth. Look things of the heavenly. And he's saying, if you're focused on what God can do for you, for your life here on earth, and Jesus is claiming here, you're going to forget the things that which God has prepared for you, Things that will actually last beyond your life here on earth. Things that will last and expand beyond all of eternity. Upon hearing this, the people or the crowd that have been chasing him asked Jesus this question. This time they ask a very good question. Well, what do we do then to get in on God's works? Jesus, then what do we do? I don't have a clicker with me. So you're going to have to click from. Can you turn this on too?
He says, what then do I do to get in on God's works? And Jesus says, the work of God is this. He encapsulates the purpose of his mission. He encapsulates the purpose which our focus should be on. And he says this. This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. And he makes a very bold statement here. And he says the real food. He says not more. He said the most pertinent work and the most important work. The most pressing work that should require your attention is believing in Jesus. It's so easy to forget this, is it not? When we hear that statement, it makes sense. It makes sense. Believing in Jesus, that's the most important thing. This is the reason why the church exists. This is the why missions exist. But we forget that the most important work to be done is one that concerns eternity. Work that concerns us, not of this world, but onto the life beyond. And this was precisely Jesus' point of drawing the attention to this matter while people were surrounding him. People were surrounding him for the reasons for what Jesus did for them of their earthly needs. Jesus now drawing their attention, but God, but guys, now look beyond what I've done for you here. And the subsequent question from the crowd is this then. Well, then what do you do for a sign? Because throughout the history of my ancestors, God had been faithful. God had continued to show that he is with us. Well, I don't know why they felt the need to repeat history to Jesus, but they did. Say, so, well, in the past, God provided manna through Moses, and he provided the way for us so that we would be able to eat. And Jesus says, well, well, stop right there. Did you know that it wasn't really Moses that provided for you guys, for your ancestors, but it was indeed God provided the manna for you? And he says one of those famous I am sayings, right? He says, now, I am that bread. He says, I am the bread of life. If you have me, you will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never, ever thirst again. Eternal life. Jesus puts an exclamation point here in his, as he converses with the crowd here. He says, my mission here is not just to feed the hungry. My purpose here on, on earth is not just to heal the sick. I did not come to make the lame walk again. It's not so that the blind can see. It's not so to, to raise the dead. I came here. My main mission isn't here to make your life better. My mission concerns far beyond your life here on earth. It is to last beyond all of eternity. And he says, Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise Him upon the last day. Jesus says, this is my one and only mission of coming to this earth. It's as if his healing ministry, his teaching ministry, his care ministry, 
All of that is a setup. All of that is to draw their attention to Him. By meeting their physical needs, Jesus' main intention to turn their eyes to say, Look beyond. Look what's waiting for you. The greater need that you have is not just for you to be well. It's not for you to be, eat better. It's not for your body that is sick to be made well. It's so that your soul to be rescued. For you to have a place in the life of all of eternity. And church, it is important for you to know, for me to know, to be reminded that this is the main mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if this indeed is Jesus' main mission, if that is what He's most concerned about, eternal life, then what about us? How aware are we of this mission of Jesus? How concerned, how committed, how passionate are we of this mission of our Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of good news have we been drowned to? Is the good news, the good news of making our lives better? The good news, is, that, is it the good news making our lives a little bit easier? What about the good news of Jesus Christ that we've been sharing with the people around us? Is it about the Jesus that can ease the pain of our lives? Is it about Jesus coming and, and being able to be present through the course of our lives and walking with us, making provisions for our needs? Or is it about Jesus, is it about the good news of Jesus Christ coming to us, being able to secure, being able to guarantee, being able to provide for something that we would not otherwise have for ourselves? That is eternal life. Eternity, salvation. That sits at the center of the heart of Jesus Christ. I shared with you during the announcements that we had a wonderful, wonderful time of fast and pray this past week. We gathered together. We had a different theme for each day. We prayed for work. One day was dedicated for family. One day was dedicated for church. We had a time for uh, pray for personal needs. And one night, particularly night Tuesday... Uh, we had set it aside for, what was it? Salvation. I keep forgetting. Evangelism or salvation. And for that day we gathered together. It was prompted by the thought that I had. You know, we were praying eagerly. eagerly and I, I was in my prayer, I said, God, what, what do you pray about? You know, we pray about different needs, right? We pray for the family members that we have. We pray for the sicknesses that we have. We pray for the difficult co-workers that we have at work. Right? We pray for those guys. I'm pretty sure that some people have prayed for us too. And I had a thought. What does God pray about? If God had a prayer list just like we do. If God would attend a prayer meeting like we do. What would he share as one of his prayer requests? And I realized... That there's really only one thing that he cares about. He would of all the needs that he has. Discerning and understanding the different prayer requests that we have. Of all these prayer requests. You know what he would say? He would say just simply one thing. I am praying for salvation of lost souls. 
I am praying that people that are perishing, going to hell, people who are wasting their lives away, I am praying for, I am desiring, I am seeking that the lost will be saved. As it says in 2 Peter 3.9, it says, His wish is that the none would perish, but for all to come to repentance. And he would desire, he would pray that the heaven would be an empty place. I, I mean, hell would be an empty place. That heaven would be even more filled than it is now. And he's eagerly praying for the salvation of souls. You see, understanding this is so important. Because this changes everything. The very purpose of our existence the way we allocate our resources and the way we expend our energy, the way we pray, the way we relate to God, guys. It should no longer be, God, bless me. It should no longer be just, God, heal me. God, help me to walk in favor. God, give me good health. Give me this, give me that. Give me X, Y, and Z. Our prayers are completely off target. These are prayers which God may not particularly praying about. God is saying, stop praying for the things of this earth. Stop seeking only the remedies of the things that will one day perish. In all of these, in all of our prayers, the very purpose should be that, God, what are you doing and how can I join in your work? How can I live my life prioritizing what is most important to you and also to be able to be that be the most important in my life as well? Guys, when we understand that our finish line is not death, when we understand that our finish line, when eternity becomes our finish line, it absolutely changes everything here on the earthly. When you understand that your life does not end when you take your last breath. The spectrum that we have, when we talk about life plans, most of us really plan, for, plan from probably right now until your retirement or post-retirement or until the day that you die. Or some of us who are ambitious, we plan for until my... Kids can grow old until they die. That's really far ahead. You're a good parent. But I'm saying, Jesus is saying, look beyond that. Look beyond that. Look beyond the things that you care about right now. If eternity becomes our finish line, what would you care about today? And I thought about our church. And I asked the same question. God, we as a church, does rooftop church care about the things that will last beyond eternity? God, have we faithfully and mindfully allocated the resources that we have to attend to the matters of the things of the eternity, not just the things of the earthly? It was a difficult question to answer. But I had to ask this question for ourselves. 
And I began to assess the focus of our ministry in the past five years. Can you, I, just, it's just crazy. For those of you guys who have been uh, from the beginning of, uh, of church, it's been five years, guys. And, and I think, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make an open admission here. And let me just be honest here. I think our focus has to be, what, what have we been most famous for in the past four years or five years? I think we could agree that we have strived to be a community that is intimate. We have strived to be the community that ministers to one another, that prays for others. We have prioritized being present with one another. So we kind of owned hashtag intimate community. Show it. Give it to me. Mike? Okay, there you go. It's great. In that we have really learned to pause. In that we have really learned to be present. We have really learned to show up for one another. But you know what I realized? It's great, but it's not enough. It's great, but this is not it. This is not why God has built this church. This is just not it. It's just not enough. You know, making a home for the sick, uh, for the hurt, the broken, and the distraught people. And I prioritize as a pastor, as a leader, it would be great if we have created a hospital. It would be great if we uh, formed this great building where the sick people can come and they find healing, restoration. People who are tired, they can come and rest here. You know what I realized? It's really, really difficult running a hospital. And it's really, really tough to get people well. You know what I realized? Because as long as our focus is getting well, as long as our focus is our finish line is, man, for me to be healthy, that we will forever just be a hospital, allowing, conceding room for the sick people to come in. But that will be it. And we will celebrate at the end of the day, man, we have, we have, gotten better, we have gotten healthier, but all of that, all of the celebration will end as our lives will once, one day end here on earth as well. And God challenged me, what have you done for the things of eternal? And God challenged me, he said, well, maybe the church should not just be a a place where we call a hospital. And I realized, God, what about an army? Instead of being a hospital, what if we're really the army? What if there's a mission that's given to us? What if our job is not for, the, uh, for that you and I to be healthy? But what if we're an army called by God? There's a specific mission that we have been trained, that we are being equipped, that our job and our assignment is to go out into this world and evangelize, to share the good news, to preach the good news, To bring those that are perishing every single day without the knowledge and the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the name of our church, guys? It's Rooftop Church. And every single week, every single week as we gather, we open up with a saying, hey, what was revealed to you in darkness, reveal it in light. What was whispered into your ears, shout it on the rooftop. And I think this year, we ought to make this hashtag more famous than our previous hashtag. You know what, folks? It's time for us. 
It's time for us to get on the roofs. Get out of the house. Climb up. Whatever you have to climb up. Get on the roof. And it's time for us to shout. It's time for us to proclaim to the world of the good news that we have. It's time for us to advertise beyond. We're able to meet your needs. We're able to heal your broken heart. We're able to meet the needs of the things temporal. But it's not for, time for us to evangelize and to go out and shout. We have something that will last beyond eternity. It's time for us to shout on the rooftops. In the five years that we've been together as a church, how many times have we shared the gospel with Jesus? How many times have we prioritized going into the world? How many times have we been motivated to share the gospel of Jesus with someone who does not know who Jesus is? How many times have we prioritized gathering together? Say, you know what? We have a mission at hand. And we better be well. We better be healthy. We better be strong because there's a job to be done. Let me tell you something. Do you know what happens when we get sick? And you have work to do? You're going to call in. Tell them that you can't go in. You know what happens if you get sick again the second time? You'll do the same thing. And you realize that you've used up all of your, what do you call that, sick days or PTO, right? You use up all of those days. You know what? Even when you're sick, guess what you're going to do? What do you do? You drag your tired body. You drag your beaten body back to work because there's work to be done. I think for church, I think for us rooftop church this year, it's finally time for us to make that transition. That there's work to be done in our hands. That we trust God. If indeed we are unhealthy along the way. If indeed that we are not completely well along the way. We trust that God will have triages set up along the way. And God will meet us. God will allow us to take a day or two off. But the, the, the work that is being advanced, the kingdom that is being advanced, that work will not be stopped. We have some people that attend that church that are not even Christians. And I've also, I've always believed from day one that these people are the gifts that God has given to us. Gift, why? To remind us the very purpose of our existence. Now, it's time for us to engage in more important work. Because God is not sleeping. Because God is continuing to work day and night, night and day. So that all may come to repentance. I really felt this past week, God saying to us, I've been shouting into your ears all these years. I've been shouting. I've been doing. I've been showing up in your life. I've been mending to your hurt. I've been providing for you. I've been shouting into years. But you've been whispering into the world. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says what was whispered into years. 
go out, proclaim boldly into the world. I pray that this year that we would pray to God, say, God, I have seen your work in my life. I have seen enough miracles. It's not me that needs more. God, a whisper is enough. God, just occasional nudging. God, it's okay. I trust you. I fully concede to you. But God, give me the courage. God, give me the audacity to go and shout from the bottom of our hearts, bottom of our lungs. Church, what would happen if that became our priority? What would happen if that became our main mission? Some of you guys who have been here for a long time, like myself, are you a little tired of waiting? Are you at times weary of, man, I wonder what's going to happen next? Are you weary of like, man, God's just leading us through this season. We have to be right. Let's get us right. I don't know about you, but sometimes waiting for that, I get so tired. And I'm wondering if we're shortchanging ourselves. I'm wondering if God is wanting to do something greater. I'm wondering if we're missing out on something. I'm wondering if God is nudging us. Man, let's go. Let's get out of this huddle. Amen? Let's get out of this huddle. Church is a huddle, guys. This is not the main playing field. Church is just a huddle. If we love one another, if we celebrate one another, and that's it, we never let the good news go out. Man, I don't know if we could call ourselves church. Let's pray that this be the year that we shout from the rooftops. Let this be the year that we invite those non-Christian friends to church. Let's be the, day that, let's be the year that we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to our workplaces, to our families, so they can listen, they can hear, and they have the chance to prepare themselves for what's to come. Can I get the priest to come on up? I want to share just one story. There's a man who loved seashells. Ever since he was a young man, ever since he was a little boy, he was fascinated. He was enamored by the beauty and just the uniqueness of seashells. So he made a small decision when he was young. He said, when I grow up, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to go into all the oceans and all the known beaches and collect as many seashells as possible. And I want to experience just what's out there. I want to make sure that I find out everything there is to know about seashells. So this little boy grew up indeed collected many seashells went to the ends of the earth literally to go to the most rare beaches and to the oceans and he collected seashells so much that none can count and he showed them off 
He shared with people that he loved, that he had in his life. But one day he died. And he was waiting in line at the pearly gates of heaven. And he was excited because he had been waiting for the moment. Because he said, also, one day I will see my maker and tell him about the works that I've done. Tell him about how much effort I've given in. Like no other. Like no other. So excited. So happy. He could hardly hold the excitement. Finally, it was his turn. Peter let him in. Hey, go see Jesus. Jesus sees him. Hey. Actually, it was less exciting than that. Hey. And the man got really excited. This must be Jesus. Jesus. So, what have you done in your life? And this man cuts him off. Jesus, you don't understand. He understood. He said, Jesus, I spent my entire life, I devoted my life to collect these amazing, amazing seashells. And Jesus says, what are seashells? <laughs> End of story. <laughs> he tells the man, those things were just for you to look at. These things were just for you to enjoy and appreciate the beauty of the nature it wasn't for you to invest all of your life I mean I appreciate the effort but did you know that here in heaven uh, there is no room for seashells I wonder if we make it a priority in our lives to fill our lives with these seashells. How many seashells do we chase after? How much effort do we concede attending and collecting the things that we would not see in heaven? Guys, it's great that you're going to make it. It's great that God has called you His own. It's great that your eternity is fully secured. I pray that you and I, as people who are saved, we would devote much of our attention and efforts attending to the things that will last unto eternity. This year, guys, we are praying for evangelism. We're praying for lost souls to be saved. We're praying for your workplaces to be changed. We're praying for our family members that are not yet Christians. We're praying for those people this year. Let us not be the crowd that chase after Jesus, wanting more bread and fish. And Jesus had to tell them, there is food that will not perish. Today, church, as we close, can you pray for this imperishable food?
Can you pray that today be the day that such imperishable food becomes our sustenance? That becomes our drive and our motivation. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this word to us. And God, oftentimes that our focus and our attention are fixated on the things that we believe we need, Lord. The things that we need are oftentimes that make our lives easier, more convenient, God, a little bit more luxurious. But God, today we know that you are concerned about things beyond the life here on earth and God uh, we, we shift our focus from the things temporal now things eternal things of the earth now the things of eternity God give us faith and God we receive from you in Jesus name Amen